<clears throat> All right, so Bill, you got it. Yeah. Okay. You gonna bring us in? Oh. Yeah, I was. Okay. <laughs> I was. I was pausing. I was to allow, it, Mom. I was pausing to allow a moment for to make editing easier for Dave. Oh, don't try and get win Dave over to your side. <laughs> <laughs> Dave always liked you best. There's a reason for that. I'm Captain Benjamin Cisco. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert! All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert! Shields up! What shields? You start fleet officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello and welcome to Listen to the Prophets where we have finally trekked the long journey and we are now in the final season of our show. Oh, no one else is sad, I guess. Just, just, yeah, yeah. Just, um, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite impressed we've made it this far, to be fair. Never thought this thing would go to distance. <laughs> so, how are you guys doing? We have any, uh, any, well, we do have Star Trek news, don't we? With the passing of... Uh, yeah, it's the <clears throat> passing of Robert Evans Jr. and Dorothy Fontana. Mm. So Charlie X has shuffled off this Marvel coil, has as DC Fontana, which is very sad, seeing as she was responsible for many of the best episodes of the original show, particularly Spock-centric ones, and also did an uncredited rewrite on City on the Edge of Forever. Mm. Which was superior in its final version to its in, you know, initial incarnation, in my opinion. What, what, not, what certainly that? not in Holland Ellison's what, opinion. What was that lot stuff with the pirates in the middle of that script? Where did that come from? Yeah. Well, well yes. So it was, it was. That was sad. And then the uh, sad the, the the death of Charlie X. Not Charlie Ten, depending on your prickle prilly. Yeah, as Charlie. I said in in our text, he wanted to stay, stay, stay. Oh, oh very good. And Star Trek Four looks like it's back on. Or oh, Star Trek Fourteen, I suppose it would be, wouldn't it? Not Star Trek Four. Yeah, but that was out a little while ago, and and I was, but I hadn't heard a peep about it. So you you so basically that's that's still that's still a thing that they are. Yes, get they, the band they back brought together. in somebody called Noah Noah Hawley who did Legion. Was that a, an X Men television show? Oh, re- whoa, really? Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah that was on a- a- FX. That you can find that on uh, Hulu. Hulu, yeah. Yes, that's a very so strange. He's been brought in. Show. Yeah, apparently he worked on F, uh, Fargo as well on television. Mm. So I don't know what that means for the script. Where apparently Chris Hemsworth was going to come back, and I, I don't know what that means for Quentin Tarantino's script. Whether that's ever going to happen. You know, I don't need well, to see a Quentin apparently... Tarantino Star Trek film. I really don't. Mm. I mean, because no. it's just going to be over the top to be over the top. Much I late. don't know if yeah. it will. I don't know. He's he is a fan, so he may try and give it a proper representation. Yeah. And I just want 
watch Hate for Late on Netflix and, and really enjoyed it. But Kurt Russell was in it, so he's, and he's good in everything, isn't he? You know the scene where he smashes that guitar? Yes, that was the real one. <laughs> that was the real one by by mistake. Because if you look at his co-star when he smashes it, she's yeah. so horrified because she, okay, yeah. yeah, he actually smashed the wrong guitar. It's like a what? It's like a hundred and it's like some really yeah, yeah. It's it's not the stunt guitar. It's the real guitar. <laughs> but it was a good film. I really enjoyed that. Boyd Crowder's brilliant in it. I love Boyd Crowder in every mm. Walton Goggins. Yeah, he's, he's brilliant. He's, he's, he's even good in, in Ant is it Ant Man's in or Ant Man and the Wasp? Ant Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Right. He's even good in that, even though he's wasted in it. But he's he's brilliant in Goggins. He should be the Joker. I'm saying it now. Walton Goggins should That's be the Joker. That's an interesting thing. I would have never thought of that. But maybe, yeah. I, I think he'd be excellent as the Joker because Justified is one of my favorite television shows of the past decade. I love Justified. That's a great show, and it's just kind of faded away. Once it went off the air, like you don't hear anything about it. Like yeah. I, I would have thought a lot of people yeah. would have discovered it in in streaming. I think it's on Netflix, but I'm not sure. No, the, might be Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime here. I watched it all while it was on. So, yeah. so. me, me so loved it. I loved Justified. Yeah. Well, it just, but anyway, Justified's not Star Trek. No, very different. Yeah, well, I guess we'll uh, we'll jump right into this one. There should be some meat here. Yeah. Quite so a bit. this is Season 7, Episode 1, Image in the Sand. In the Federation's darkest hour. Was Captain Sisko right here? Hope shines upon one man. Had a vision from the prophets. Does annihilation await on the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine? Hello, image in the sand. What song is that? Cowgirl in the sand. Oh, wasn't there a? Uh, I kept thinking of a song all week as images like castles in the sand, but I was going images in the castles sand. in the sand is is Don McLean. Cowgirl, oh, okay. cowgirl in the sand is Neil Young. Oh, oh, that was your Neil Young. Gotcha. Yeah. That's when you old enough now to change your name when so many love you. You, you don't know that song at all? No, no. I only know a couple Neil Young songs. I know you know Old Man, because I, I was serenaded with that quite a few times. Old Man, look at my life. I'm alive like you were. Now, Cowgirl in the Sand was actually a fairly big hit for him. So I figured hmm. I figured that reference would not go unrecognized, but apparently I'm the only one of the, of the four of us who knows it. <laughs> no one else You're has the only one who doesn't find Neil Young whiny. Oh no, he's whiny. <laughs> oh, but I, but I can be, ent- I can be entertained by whiny sometimes. And I'm searching. Haven't you listened to me on, on Back to the Bins at all? I listen, listen to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm getting old. Anyway, this episode was directed by Les Landau, written by Iris Stephen Bear and Hans Beemler, featuring music by Dennis McCarthy. <laughs> what? 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 I'll be on a, I'll be on a beach in twenty percent. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, original I read about him in Forbes magazine. <laughs> original <laughs> air moving up to kidnapping. You should be very quiet. That is a plane. That is a terrible imitation. That's almost as bad as my Neil Young. <laughs> I was not going to say anything. I was. Just- I, 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 you know, the difference is I've come to expect a higher level of imitation out of Andy. <laughs> I, I can't do Alan Rickman. It, it's just something about his, his intention that I just can't mimic. It's almost like he has even, like a 
thing here. Buy Gedfrey's hammer. What bargains? No. <laughs> that was a great Star Trek movie. Yeah, that was one of the best. Yes, it was. Movies. Was that not Orville the movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's what I expected when the Orville went on the air. I expected it to be at that level, and then I was a little surprised that it was more serious than that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, maybe we should let Bill synopsis this episode. You're gonna synopsisize it? I'm gonna synopsisize. I've been synopsisized. So, all right, here is the plot. The episode continues the story that began in the finale of of the sixth season, Tears of the Prophets. Benjamin Sisko has taken extended leave on Earth to clean oysters. Karen Norris, who has been promoted to the rank of colonel, is in charge of Deep Space Nine, and Worf is still grieving over Jedzia. Okay, that's it. Oh, wait, no, it's just the first paragraph. When While Sisko deals with his feelings of failure by visiting his father in New Orleans, Kira and Odo deal with life uh, as normal on, on the station. I was going to say uh, as a couple, but yeah. The Defiant continues its assignment escorting cargo runs, but Nog, O'Brien, and Bashir all notice that something is bothering Worf beyond Jadzia's untimely demise at the end at the hand of Goldacott. Kira is later called to a meeting with Admiral Ross, who compliments her on the running of the station since Sisko's departure. I'm just keeping his seat warm, she reminds the Admiral, even though he himself is not sure when the captain will return. He then informs Kira that the Romulan Empire has been given permission to send a permanent delegation to the station, just as the Klingons have. The leader is one Senator Kretak, who is a staunch supporter of the alliance between Romulus and the Federation. But Kira is not thrilled at this news. Ross ignores her dubious feelings, reminding her... <laughs> See, I, I didn't say, like, dubious or mispronounce that. I actually said dubious. Got that right. I'm sure there's another word lurking somewhere in here that will trip me up. Reminding her that he came as a courtesy. This decision has already been made. Back on Earth, meanwhile, a distant Cisco separates himself from his family, doing nothing but playing the piano in the restaurant his father Joseph owns. His son, Jake, is worried about his father's attitude, though Joseph realizes it will take time. As they talk, Cisco continues playing until his baseball rolls off the top of the piano and hits the floor. Cthud. Cisco, stopping his playing, reaches for the ball and is suddenly pulled into one of the visions. Maybe he had some bad oysters. That he has been set, that set in the past by the Bajoran prophets. In it, he sees himself in the desert on an alien world that he knows to be Tyree. Not to be confused with the uh, the Tyree that uh, what was that a- episode of Star Trek? Private Lola. Ah, ah, actually, I had the wrong one. I was thinking the other one with Julie Newmar. So, oh, thank maybe you. it was that one. Uh, no, no, that was Tear. Was oh, it? right. Yeah, doesn't matter. You well, might yeah. be right. <laughs> Perhaps be to be tear is to look at things a different way. Oh, I saw fear in the Klingon's eyes. Ah, all right. He is digging frantically, but uh, before coming across a blanket buried in the sand, slowly he pulls at it, only to reveal the hidden face of a woman whom he does not recognize. Joseph eventually reveals that the face belongs to Cisco's biological mother, Sarah, who abandoned the family when Cisco was a year old and who later died. Joseph Aww. also gives Cisco. Let's all pour one out. And we're done. Joseph also gives Cisco a necklace of Sarah's, which has ancient Bajoran writing on it. Later, a Bajoran member of, of a Pa-Wraith cult led by Gold Ducat attacks Cisco and attempts to kill him 
to prevent him from finding the orb of the emissary on Tyree, but Jake knocks him out. Back on the station, Senator Kretak asks Kira to petition the Bajoran Council of Ministers to allow the Romulans to set up a hospital on the uninhabited moon. That's no moon. That's a Romulan station. Kira does so, and they accept. Later, Odo tells Kira that a Starfleet transport filled with wounded, most of which were Vulcans, was denied permission to dock at the hospital. At first, Kira doesn't think it's, it's suspicious because of the two species mutual distrust until Odo shows her a sensor reading that indicates the presence of plasma torpedoes. Kira then furiously tells Kretak to have the weapons removed immediately, but the senator refuses. Meanwhile, Worf confides in O'Brien that he is worried Jezia won't enter Klingon heaven, Stovacor, because she didn't die in battle, and the, the only way to ensure her place in Stovacor is by winning a glorious battle in her name. General Martok tells Worf he needs a first officer for a very dangerous mission that will ensure Jadzia's place in Stovacol. At the end of the episode, a young female Starfleet ensign, a Trill, enters and greets Sisko, who does not recognize her. She introduces herself as Dax. A lot going on this episode. Yes. You guys sound like those things in Minecraft, the the creepers, <laughs> or or I've never the played Minecraft. The zombies, actually, they. I, I just like going. <laughs> so we've got low key season premiere, isn't it? It, it is, but it, it, yeah. it. I think it. it I think it, it benefits from up. being understated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't disagree. Well, you know, we we're, people are. I mean, not really sure what people would be expecting after giving the gut. The gut punch of um, of Jadzia being gone. I, I've talked in the mm. past about how I felt that streaming sometimes hurts some of their uh, order choices on episodes, and I think in this instance, streaming actually benefits the fact that this one is more low key, because you know knowing that you can go straight from the finale of season six to this, and from this to episode two eliminates the feeling of I've been waiting for months for this and mm-hmm. it's low key. I don't recall how I thought about it when it was brand new. I don't remember being particularly disappointed, but I could understand, you know, in that circumstance not being quite as keen on it as I am now. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that this is like after what happened at the end of season 6 and so when in another example of DS9 being ahead of its time, when you are streaming all of this, this is not a nice little back, see where everyone's at. Give them all a moment to recover from what happened, while still acknowledging that there's been quite a passage of time for the characters. So Kira's been promoted and got a new hairdo, and Cisco's still cleaning clams. And there's just lots of lovely little things to show that time has passed since the last time we saw them. What is it I supposed really to be, about three, really about three months? Three. Yeah, I think three months. Yeah, but whatever it was in real time. Yeah, I liked, liked all the little individual plots, but I still think my favourite scene was Damar and Wayun, where Wayun's basically calling Damar a drunkard. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I I like seeing the the little barbs being thrown back and forth with Damar and Wayun. Uh, I, I I mean I really enjoyed the whole uh, the whole Cisco thing, and and then the you know the ending with. Ezra Dax showing up, I thought was a you know was a real nice thing. Although, if there were more time, I think I might have built up a little bit more slowly to her showing up in the series. 
if this wasn't mm. going to be, you mm. know, I mean, they knew this was going to be the final season, but I think I, I might have had her show up around episode three or four, and and that would have been a little bit more, you know, you would have sat with the fact that Dax was gone for a little while before having her, you know, I, I, lack of a better word, replacement show up. Hmm. You know, what would have been- but I think you get you get that payoff at the end of episode two, though. I think. Yeah. I, I agree. Which we I can't just, really I just, talk about here. I, yeah. I do think they had some sort of, you know, they had time restraints because they knew this was going to be the final season. So, you know, you had to, mm-hmm. you have to pace things a little bit differently when you have that knowledge before you even start. Mm. I was thinking of maybe something that would have been better to write in, but then would have been too much of a too much of a coincidence. Was maybe if Jadzia's, if Terry Farrell's leaving was more consensual and not just kind of like yeah okay go um that they could have maybe had esri show up at some point last season and had just had visited and you know jedzia hangs out with her as you know oh hey you're trill and oh i know you from from like they had been some type of friend and then now she appears here you'd be like oh wait what's going on what she's dax now but you had met her previously as at just esri but uh but you know, may, but maybe that would be like too much pandering, or, or you know. Does that not make the the universe? Li- it makes the universe exactly. a little bit that's, small. That's what I was thinking, and that's a yeah, that's that's you know, you're like, oh yeah, everybody seems to know everybody, but yeah, yeah. So because it make it makes sense. I don't well, think that that works because it. She's a bit of a goofball in this because she got the way she gets the drill. Hey, what's wrong with being a goofball? Well, there's nothing wrong with that, but at the same, you could imply that Jadzia would know her if she was an initiate. But mm. they do make quite clear again in episode two, so we're jumping ahead a bit. But they do make it clear that Ezri wasn't an initiate and never had any been a joined trill. Yeah, but they're both Starfleet officers. No they, you know, there could have been a connection there, like you know, oh yeah, you went to this class, or she's just visiting the station. I'm not saying make it like a really thick bond between the two of them. But just like a hmm. teaser, and all of a sudden, you know. But then again, it would be like, oh, why is the universe so small? Well, you, you do get... The, the Worf carries the Adzia story, really, because he goes to Vic Fontaine's bar again and smashes the place up. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoy the scenes. I like, I like James Darren a great deal. I don't understand how you can destroy a... I can't you just set the program... <laughs> I, I love that you know the the, yeah. the band was threatening to quit. They can't quit the holograms. They don't know that. <laughs> but it, you know it it speaks oh, to a level of sentience on the part of the hologram characters, though. That just well, you know that's that's definitely a rabbit hole to, that they've fallen down a few times and they pull themselves out of it and they keep allowing themselves to fall down it again. Mm. So so did the holographic cops come in to take Wolf out? Yeah, how many? How far did you take it? I'm like, oh, did did um, did he just not report them? Did he not, not report for what's going on? But then the band would be like, I'm not putting up with this. This is a working environment. I've got a union. So, I don't need to put up with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was like, how far do you want to take that? I mean, it it led to a really funny scene with Bashir and, and Quark, who bonded quite nicely over losing Jadzia. Uh, saying, well, we'll help you repair it. And I'm like, we cannot just press a button. None of this is real. But seeing Worf get angry over it was 
fact that Wolves are not handling it particularly well because the writers were aware that essentially they were doing the hoary old cliche of the wife dies to give the husband agency and they'd already done that they didn't really want to do it again but they had no choice with Terry Farrell leaving they had to kind of lean into it oh yeah because Worf's first wife mm. Kalar he's already done the Klingon death scream yeah. for one of his wives he's yeah. all for two is she in uh, Stovalcore? because she, she didn't really uh, die in battle either did she she was massacred mm, I, I'm sure she fought back but Jadzia yeah, didn't have a chance to fight back, back with honour yeah, that's his argument, isn't it? Jazia didn't die with on in battle. She essentially was, sh- you know, she wasn't shot in the back, but you know what I mean. She was just ambushed by a lesser adversary, so she wasn't allowed the honor of fighting and dying. Now, Kaylor died in battle, so she probably did get into Stovacor, even though she died. She died with honor in Worf's heritage, anyway. <laughs> But all, all, all three of the subplots in this film, I mean, and then you get the development of O'Brien just going on the mission as solidarity with Bashir, which was really cool. It begs looking after his kids. <laughs> again. Because, yeah, because isn't Keiko back on the planet again, or is she in Deep Space Nine now? Well, I forgot I'm, where Keiko is I'm sure now. he would have just had to, they would have shipped the kids down to Bajor or wherever yeah, Keiko's cause, at. Because well, you can't just leave them on the station. All right, yeah. Yeah, and, it's Jad Zier who used to babysit for him, so he's even lost his babysitter. Mm. So, so I like, I loved that that he went on the mission just because Bashir was going. That was fun, and and Quark's Quark going is also fun. There's a lot, there's a lot of really, it's it's, it's a character, and the character stuff is far more interesting than the actual story, which is Ben looking for the the prophets again after they've abandoned him, and that storyline's a little bit dubious. Oh, there's it, a lot there. Yeah, it's, lot there. It's, it's it's bordering on soap opera. Well, your mum isn't really your mum. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go with it. But then, so are we meant to believe that the prophets impregnated Sarah or introduced her to Jake? Not Jake, I forgot his dad's name. Introduced uh, him to Joseph, thank you, for the sole purpose of giving birth to the... Emissary. Well, not only yes. that, they took over this woman's <laughs> life. They took over this woman's life because, obviously, when the prophet left her, this woman's like, um, who are you? I'm Why here. do I have a child? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, I, I would have rather if it they turned out that his mom was a prophet. They, I mean, yes, basically, it seems like yes. they mentally and physically raped her. Yeah. Or, or, at the very least, forced her into a pregnancy that she wasn't really overly enamored with. I don't think they want to go down the rape route. I have one word for you. Metachlorian. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> right. It's exactly yeah. what they were doing in uh, Phantom I Menace. Would have, I would have paid real money if that scene where you see her face in the sand, if she opened her eyes and said, you will go to the Tyree system. <laughs> there you will find the orb of the emissary, and you will learn from it as I did. Oh, that would be cool. So yeah, so that that storyline was was a little bit, yeah. See, I, I do like the fact that you tie it in with the fact that the prophets had planned for him to be the emissary all along. I, I kind of like that, you know, that this because you know, keep in mind that the prophets do not live in a linear time space. It's all at once, kind of for them. So. It's not really, you know, like a, a 
big deal for them to have done this to foresee that this is where they want to go. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is just the lack of free will, and that's that would have been solved by his mother actually being a prophet, which instead of being a human, a human that uh, mm. that, that that they took over and and <clears throat> and basically you know <laughs> did things that they shouldn't do to somebody without their consent. Um, but but otherwise, I kind of like that it tied it all together. I don't know why they elected to not make her a prophet. I guess because then it would make Ben half prophet and kind of a mutant. But yeah, but wouldn't wouldn't that play into it better? Yeah, well, I I I like the idea, but I guess they made a conscious choice that they wanted him to be a regular human. Hmm. The the thing that his father didn't tell him anything, I find a little hard to believe. It's like today, you know, you have a child that maybe is half yours or adopted. You want them to know at some point, even if they're like 30 years old, for simply for medical reasons, you know? Medical I, histories are not the same. No, I think yeah, that's but, generally true, but I think there are people who but Joseph don't tell is their an children. old school, he's in different mindset with a lot of the ways with this, with, with the restaurant and, and his the way he does things. I could see where he wouldn't, he would feel ashamed and wouldn't want Ben to know. You, you know, well, the there's certain he things used, that you don't want to tell your children. It's like it's none of their business. The excuse yeah, he used is that he was afraid lie. it would. Uh, you could lie too and just say, you know, your real mom died, and I remarried. He, he was he was concerned that, that it would impact his relationship with the mother who raised him. Mm. Yeah, that's the way. That's the what he what he said on the show. Yeah, you know, you you know you know you would get. You're not my mom. My mom's dead. You're not the boss of me. Hmm. I mean, I could see. I I I can understand it i mean on the other hand i do see the point that you know well maybe you know it's just one of those things that you have to live it to figure out how you would handle it i think so i think that's exactly true i think you know different people handle that different ways and they have their reasons and it's not a lot more to go with than that so i I have a question because you know i usually have a question okay colombo go ahead (laughs) after cisco is stabbed right and they refer to Starfleet security, you know, having looked into the matter or whatever. Does that mean J.W. Pepper's not patrolling the streets anymore in New Orleans? <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> or J.W. Pepper's descendants. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, because if it was him, uh, yeah. You're one of them secret agents, aren't you, boy? <laughs> so did we all see uh, when the Romulans were going to arrive that this was going to be a problem? No, no, not at all. Yeah, because the lead Romulan woman is so cold and unfriendly. And you get the impression you're supposed to like her so that the big turnaround at the end comes as a little bit of a surprise, even though you know that the Romulans are manipulative and always play poker rather than chess. But she's such a cold fish from the beginning that I don't buy that Kira warms up to her so quickly. Hey, she bought snacks. Oh well, okay. Oh, she bites. <laughs> she's a good person. She bought snacks on the promenade. Uh, so I know. did find out an interesting because I was looking up that character. The character um, towards the later later in the season will be played by Adrian Barbeau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This actress will come back, but then be replaced, which is always weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. So I mean, I did like that they tried to make Kira like her, so that the the heel turn came as a bit of a shot but it didn't work because of the actress who was playing her i mean i did like the scene where she was eating the lollipop the jumja stick yeah but i you know i mean 
I, I think we've been trained enough at this point that we don't we automatically don't trust Romulans when when they start. Oh, we want to set up a hospital because <laughs> we're just nice people. I kept thinking of like Stalin. Oh yes, we're only going to stay in Berlin for a few years. Then we'll have an election <laughs> and we'll be out of there. Yeah, everything will be fine. Don't just worry. Operate a hospital. Don't worry. Mm. Oh no no no! You can't come. No no, you can't come to the hospital. No, it's not ready yet. Yeah yeah, that's it. What do you think, Akira and Odo's lovey-dovey relationship? I actually kind of prefer uh, a little bit of decorum. Nah, just a little, <laughs> a little bit of them, you know, having to work harder to get along. Just because their lives are so different, they come from different places. I, I'm, I'm not crazy about them just melding together so quickly and easily. Mm. They're still in the honeymoon phase. That's the thing. Yeah, but I think Odo's really good in this one with her. He lets her make the choices she's going to make, and he supports her. But he's still there going, are you absolutely certain this is what you want to do? Are you positive that this is the right thing? I liked all of that. I thought that was really cool. And I think it's nice that Kira's actually got somebody to do that with now that she's lost Jadzia. Jadzia would have been her Jiminy Cricket in the past. And so now that she's got Odo, that makes more sense. And there's lots of nice little odd relationships in this one, like Odo and Kira. It's O'Brien who has to go to talk to Worf because of their shared history on the Enterprise. All of that's great. And Quark's just got some brilliant lines in this one. Like, you know, can't we just bribe somebody in her name? Yeah. They're like, that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> Make a donation. Yeah. Do we have to, have to go and die for her? Hmm. All, all that was brilliant. And the, oh, the laugh out loud bit where O'Brien says to, to Bashir, I'm going to come with you because somebody's got to keep you alive. And Miles, I'm very touched. And Quark's just, you're both touched. <laughs> that was great there's so much in this one to love and Martok again being brilliant in stepping up and realising what Worf needs to do you will come on this mission and it will be glorious oh I love all of that what I loved is that at the end of the episode when they're going to go on this voyage to Tyree and uh, Joseph's coming and Jake and all I kept thinking was the man with the goatee is back and this time he's bringing <laughs> dad. his dad. <laughs> Son. Uh, Benjamin Sisko and the Parath Crusade. <laughs> That'd be quite good, actually. And there was just so much love in this one. And then when you get to the end, when Kira's going through the whole bluffing thing. Yeah, that could have been, you know, that could have been the focus of the episode totally, that whole storyline. And yet it's just, you know, like a subplot in it because this one is so packed with stuff. Like I said, it seems low-key, but it's really not. Yeah, it, it's it's very much a character piece and very much a, a breather after the shocking finale of Jadzia getting killed. It's, it's just it's just such a, a well-done episode, given that you think on the face of it, it is quite low-key and downbeat, and it's only when you start talking about it and thinking about it like this. There's a lot going on in this. There's lots going on. All the characters get something to do. They do a really good job of juggling the ensemble. And splitting them up again like they've done they've done this before when Cisco was off the station. There's a part of me that just wanted Kira to stay in charge. I quite like Kira when she's when she's like this. I mean we've always liked Kira, but she's particularly good in this one. Feels weird calling her Colonel. I don't I don't I think she deserved it. Everyone oh, else she did. Been apparently she yeah. apparently Nana Visitor lobbied for that because she said everybody else has been promoted, it's time for her to be promoted. Yeah, mm. that's fair enough. Because she's proved her worth. And she does an excellent job of being in charge of the station both times that she's left there. So this, just, was, this was really good. I'm just so used to Major Kira, which kind of rolls off the tongue. That Colonel Kira doesn't, you know, 
almost sounds like a wrestling character. Mm-hmm. It's got the Stan Lee alliteration, Colonel Kira. Yeah. Although it's spelling. Even though it's a K and a C. Or C and a but K. But the sound is the same. Yes. Now, Bill. Yes. A military question. Uh oh. Is okay. a colonel and a captain equivalent in rank? Uh, I'd have to look at a chart. I would say so because I know. Well, well, wait a minute. So, if a colonel. Right, because the next step would be a general. It's weird a, because a captain, a captain in the navy is higher than a captain in the air force. And, the, and so the I army. think the colonel is the equivalent of a captain. I think off the top of my head, in yeah. So it's weird. Captains are higher rank in the in the in the navy. Pretty sure. Well, I mean, on a naval vessel. And I know nothing about military except for, you know, what I've seen on TV. Uh, but wouldn't captain always be considered to be the commanding officer on the naval vessel, even if there's somebody of a higher rank on board? Would yes. You, would you is, always call the person yes. of the highest rank or the, the person who's in charge ensign, captain? If it's even an ensign on a tugboat or something along those lines or a smaller ship would be called a captain because he is the commanding officer of the vessel. So you, so el- you a, elevate a lower level two captain if he's in charge what about like if there's a captain and then an admiral comes on board and takes command do you still call him captain or do you call him admiral uh you still call him admiral because usually when admirals do come on board ships they're not there in a a they're usually there as the commander of a group so that would be their flagship like for like often when we would go on deployment the admiral would be on like a tender Admiral. He would actually be parked on a tender or a supply ship um, and not necessarily a warship. Uh, And also that's his preference. He could transfer his flag from one ship to to another, making that, quote unquote, the flagship. Hence the term. And then um, but no, he would not necessarily. I mean, he could take command. I mean, it's his uh, his action group, so he could do what he wants. But usually you keep the. Usually the captain, whatever rank they are, stays the captain. But now, just because you're the captain doesn't mean you outrank another higher officer that like comes on board. But that officer is not necessarily going to take command of your ship. Did I kind of clear that up or no? Yeah, I think you did. Okay. Well done. Thank you. So, did you guys notice anything about uh, watching the episode where you're like, hey, wait a minute. I don't think I've seen the credits yet. Yes. Because it was about... It was like just over eight minutes before they got to the got got, got to the credits. Yeah, it was I actually a long stopped season. and went. And I was like, wait a minute, did I just like I don't remember seeing the oh, oh okay oh my god it doesn't happen for like another two three minutes. But yeah, that was that was a it was a little it it, it threw me off a little. I, I don't mind when they have longer teasers. I quite yeah. like it because I'm I tend to watch this when I'm down at the gym anyway, so it doesn't really matter. It does. It was a bit, oh, we've not had the opening credits yet, and I've already finished my first exercise. What's going on? But most of it was fine. I don't mind. Oh, yeah, it's no. It's when they have short like... teasers that get me. You know when they have those little 30-second ones mm-hmm. that basically is just, ah, oh, another Earth. Cue credits. And it's those that. ones that get me. It's like, blimey, that was a teaser. Okay. <laughs> I, I, usually find when there's a, teaser. I usually find when there's a longer credits... Uh, a longer teaser it's usually something substantial there's usually a reason why it's longer because if if it's a you know if it's a, a fairly minor level thing then they they do it quickly mm. i still i still don't think we've beat i think it's alias 
had an episode that had a 14 minute teaser <laughs> yeah. I, I still think that's the longest teaser I've seen on a TV show if anyone listening knows differently but I'm sure Alias had a 14 minute teaser once mm. I don't doubt it yeah there were some long ones there now uh, when Ben was on his little iPad for lack of a better word and he's creating <laughs> the the face of the woman you know that he saw is that the app he normally uses to put like dog ears and a dog nose on his face <laughs> what that's like the Instagram app or, or the face the snapchat 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 snapchat, snapchat. The battery boy huh? oh that was Torchy the battery boy sorry that was an old Jerry Anderson show from the 50s Torchy Torchy the battery boy wow I don't know that one at all that's because we didn't grow up in England but we should have I, I would have thought you'd have got... Well, maybe you wouldn't actually talk. I taught you before my time. I only know it because it's Jerry Anderson. I came into him with Stingray. Stingray, Stingray. Do, 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 do. He's saying you're old, Paul, that you should have known it. I am <laughs> no, old. No, no, I, 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 I guess I should have, but I didn't. I thought it would have got syndicated in America, but perhaps Tarchi didn't. I don't uh, know. The only thing I remember being syndicated over here was, uh, was Thunderbirds and Space Night 1999 really the only thing Jerry Anderson wise I don't remember UFO if it was every, every episode of UFO is on archive.org that I just sent get him watched yes sir yes sir sir Mr. Brilliant <laughs> Mr. Brilliant sir if you don't want to watch all 26 I'll send you a 12 of the best they've also got them on Amazon Prime oh well they'll be the ones I've started them oh do 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 anywhere UFO isn't Star Trek no uh, I guess there was a little um, they confused uh, Barry Jenner uh, because they told him that his character's name was Bill, but I guess they had a bunch of props and stuff earlier Cliff. in some other case. His name was Cliff. <laughs> what? Bill? Who's Bill? That's you. I'm Cliff. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently, to- not only were there the props, but Barry Jenner also apparently like built up a whole backstory in his mind for the character. Uh, the, what I read was he, you know, he had two children, uh, a daughter. Both were in the military, a son and a daughter. The son was kind of lost in combat or something, and the daughter was still alive. Like he had this whole backstory in his mind. Now your name's Bill. What? <laughs> <laughs> You're Bill, and you don't have any kids. <laughs> Could he not have pulled um, a thing, you know, Stan Lee, and just said, well, his middle name's Cliff. <laughs> Bill C. Yeah, Bill C. Ross. Or William C. Ross. I can live with that. Or B. B. Cl- B. Cliff Ross. <laughs> yeah, he's a descendant of Thunderbolt. <laughs> mm. He was in the Black Widow movie, apparently. Is he? Really? Apparently so, Barry yeah. Jenner? I thought Barry Jenner. No, Barry Jenner, Thunderbolt Ross. Oh, I was going to say, I thought Barry <laughs> Jenner passed away. I'm like, well, well, I guess he got could have got in. Uh... <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. You know, yeah, because what? I saw that in a trailer. Is that supposed to be a de-aged um, William Hurt? I, I think so, but maybe they're just throwing you a curveball. I didn't think that trailer was as good as the James Bond one. I'm sorry. I thought the James Bond one was awesome, even though it gives absolutely nothing away about the film, which is probably better. Yeah, you don't want the trailer to give away stuff about the film, you you know. Yeah, I, I've rarely railed about that many times. I, I can't stand when they give away too much in the trailer. I can't believe they never thought about cutting a donut with firing machine guns out of. I was like, wow, that's so such a good idea. Can't believe I never thought about that. Like in a video game or anything, spinning in a circle, shooting machine guns out of the headlights. In the Aston Martin. Yeah. I'm oh like, God, that wow. was so cool. 
I am so I am so down with that the new James Bond film. But anyway, again, we're not talking about James Bond. Well, I mean, maybe we should have done these first two episodes together because none, none of these things are going to be resolved until really. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much part one of a two-part story, really, isn't it? And it's all set up, but it's wonderful set up, and it's very well done. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're so enthused. Yep. No, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should we rate it? A lot. Did the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, uh, I think this was jam-packed. Vic was in it. You can't ask more than that. I've, was- grown to re- I've grown to really love Vic Fontaine. He's mm-hmm. my favorite, Vic. That's because you are Vic. I'm working on it. I'm getting gray, so. Stop. You? You know you know what I say. Drink up and be somebody. You have that jet black <laughs> Reagan hair. Well, there you go again. All right. Well, I'm going to give this um, four and a I don't know if I want to go higher than a four. It's good. I'll, I'll give it a. I'll pump it up for a. Uh, I'll give it four point two five stabbed emissaries. <laughs> I was I was gonna go four. I was kind of torn on this one because I watched them both pretty much back to back, and as one full story, it works much better. Mm-hmm. When you're just watching this one on its own, I still think there's enough good stuff in it to give it a four. I give it four Bajoran blockades. Uh, I'm going to be the outlier uh, once again because I think this is so jam-packed. I think there's so much good stuff in here. I'm going 4.5. Ooh. Nice. I, I, I really think that they did a great job of, of balancing all the stuff that's in here. We had, you know, the, n- all the subplots feel like they could be A plots, and they all feel like they moved along well enough. And I think part of that is because of the fact that they. Uh, you know, they continued it right into the next episode. So, mm. you don't, you, you know, none of them got short shrift in order to accommodate the others. Uh, I thought all the character moments were really, really well done. Uh, I, th- I think it's nearly a perfect episode in my mind. It's, you know, we're not quite at the, you know, the top of the top, but we're, we're scraping that level. So I go 4.5. So that's what we thought. But what did Blaine think? Well, in honor, uh, Dave, would you like me to do the musical selection for this one or for next time? I think this time. This time? Okay. And in honor of Dave, we'll be singing the opening Blaine song to the Indiana Jones theme. Right? (laughs) Blaine. Yes. Blaine. 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 What does Blaine say? What does he say? What does Blaine say? What does Blaine Blaine say? What does Blaine say? What does he say? What does he say? Blaine, what does Blaine say? Blaine, 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 what did he say? There you go. Blaine says, hi guys, this is the home stretch. One more season and that's a wrap. I appreciate the fact that the station kept moving forward over the summer break and that and the time lapse is real. We get a promotion for Kira and hopefully a demotion for her hairstylist. Cisco has another <laughs> random vision, which I believe starts to become more common. Hints of strife between the Romulans and Bajorans, Wayun and Damar. 
There are hints that the prophets may have been involved in Ben Sisko's destiny since long before the pilot, and we get a few nice scenes with Quark being treated as an accepted equal by O'Brien and Bashir. The standout of the episode is, in my opinion, the dynamics of the relationship between the Cisco men. I'd like to see a little more direct interaction between Joseph and Jake, since they currently seem to only connect to each other through Ben, but this is really Ben's story at the moment. Finally, we're introduced to Esri Dax, as played by Nicole DeBauer. DeBauer? 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 All we know at this point is that she's still a Starfleet officer with an ensign pip rather than lieutenant commander and that she's adorable. Still, this does, an, does open an interesting question. How was her rank decided? Jadzia Dax was a lieutenant commander. Does Starfleet go with the ranks of the host, or is there some averaging procedure? What is the new host... What is the new host... What if the new host isn't Starfleet at all? Does the new combined individual have to repeat the academy, or is the individual somehow placed <coughs> within the infrastructure? There are a lot of logistical questions here, and I don't recall if we ever get answers. Regardless, I'm definitely looking forward to the next few stories, even if that will mark the end of my favorite trek, unless I get into those comics that I have on DVD-ROM over there. Blaine. Yeah, the the, uh, ranking thing is interesting, and and her role is different because she's a a counselor. Counselor, yeah. So I'm not sure exactly how that's all arrived at. I, I... I don't know, and I don't think we do ever get an answer. I don't know, you would think someone who's got what nine hundred years of seven. I, I don't know. How many? How old is Jet? Is the Dax at this point? I don't know. Anyway, you would think someone with hundreds of years of experience would be a good counselor, but in reality, they're probably like, "Oh my God, you people! I've heard this over and over and over. Just, just suck it up and do your job already. Snap out of it." Yeah, smack, smack, smack. What's wrong with you? But she's she's having a tough enough time dealing sorting with sorting through the memories that have now been implanted into her with the uh, symbiote. So I I don't know that she's qualified to counsel anyone else right now. Is, is the yeah, problem? Yeah, but now but now we're kind of slipping into next for the the next episode because we because really all we got for at the end of this episode was hi, I'm Dax. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So we'll talk more about that next time. What are we doing next time? Next time, an all-new episode of Listen to the Prophets. The story continues in Shadows and Symbols. In the name of destiny. I know it's out there. Cisco embarks on a deadly quest. For the sake of honor. We have to get closer. Worf must achieve an impossible victory. Fire. In the line of duty. I'm going to set up a blockade. Kira faces a fatal showdown. The Romulans have powered their weapons. In the heat of battle, failure is not an option. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. See you then, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Kapla. 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 Listen to the prophets at Deep Space Nine podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the 2TrueFreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. 
We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. You know, Dave, earlier when when you said you were going to, you know, Andy, can I ask you a question? And he said, have you ever? And I almost went, have you ever been mellow? (laughs) (laughs) I so much wanted to hear you just start singing. (laughs) I don't do music. That's what I said once. You will will be. I I, I feel like Yoda. You will. (laughs) You will. I remember when I said I would never sing. I'm not a singer. You will be. You. <laughs> <laughs>